Welcome to The Frontline with FPM, where we talk about California politics, homeschool freedom, parental rights, and the family. I'm your host, Nathan Pierce, and thanks for joining us today. Let's jump right in and see what's going on here on The Frontline. Hey folks, we are going to be talking about several things today, and I'm excited about some of them more than others, but uh, we'll jump right in. So the first thing um, I want to say is thanks, Drew, for uh, putting in some work on uh, just reviewing the um, RFMA, which we're going to get to be talking about in just a few moments. Um, we also are going to be uh, talking a little bit about Capital Day, um, and I want to encourage you in that. We have a legislative um, kind of a, a an update on where we're at with, uh, with the legislative session coming up and a follow-up to our elections. Um, but first, um, we're going to just go ahead and get started by talking about the RFMA, which has been in the news quite a bit lately. So, um, Drew, why don't you go ahead and explain to us what that is and why we should care about it? All right. So the RFMA, uh, it's uh, it's an acronym for the Respect for Marriage Act. Um, so it's it's a, a bill that it's a federal bill. So it just passed the United States Senate and it's now going to the House and it'll it'll probably most likely be passed in the House and then be signed by the president into law. Um, so essentially, uh, what this bill does and why it's been in the news so much is um, it codifies uh, same-sex marriage into law. So it basically makes the 2015 Supreme Court decision uh, that legalized uh, same-sex marriage across the nation, it basically makes it into a law instead of a court opinion. Um, but uh, it's been uh, in the news for for other reasons as well. Um, one of the main things being that it's uh, there's some major concerns about religious liberty uh, coming from it. Um, so the basics of the law uh, is that it repeals uh, the Defense of Marriage Act, which is a bill from many years back uh, yeah. that basically defined marriage as a union of a man and a woman. So it repeals that um, and then redefines marriage as the union of two people, regardless of um of of sex and they said they included you know sex race gender um ethnicity so they added all um you know uh all different different qualifiers to it now um so instead of man woman relationship um one thing that it does do that a lot of people that supported it including 12 republicans in the senate that voted for it right. uh, they said oh there's you know there's strong protections for religious liberty um so the problem with that claim is that um, the protections for religious liberty really only go as far as explicitly religious organizations. So, for example, like um, a church, right? They have a stated mission. They have a stated, you know, a statement of faith. Um, and that includes, you know, the belief that marriage is a union of a man and a woman, right? So they would they would have these protections uh, in in the case that they they refuse to perform like a, a same sex wedding or something like that, right? There wouldn't be they wouldn't be in violation of this law, or you know an explicitly like religious nonprofit, right? Um, however, that is really where the protections end. Um, so the uh, the Respect for Marriage Act basically goes farther than the. Um, than the the Obergefell decision, the 2015 Supreme Court decision that legalized same-sex marriage, um, in that it's it stops any religious uh, protections outside of any explicitly religious settings. So, uh, I'm sure many people have heard of you know the story of Jack Phillips with his bakery. Um, he was he was 
really brought in, you know, hauled into court multiple times because he refused to make cakes for same-sex couples, like wedding cakes, right? Right. And he said, I'm fine with referring you to others. Um, I just, it's going against my religious conviction to make, you know, a cake for a, a same-sex wedding. It's, it's, it, it basically, it, it feels to me as an endorsement of something that is against my faith. And so um, he was hauled into court multiple times. Um, in the long run, I believe he won. I think there's still some ongoing litigation just because people kind of made him a target. Uh, so multiple, multiple uh, people have kind of come in looking for trouble, um, looking for, you know, any sort of way to to pull him into court for any other reason just to cause more lawsuits yeah exactly exactly so he's been in court for years um so uh the uh the the main impetus for this for this law was uh the overturning of roe v wade uh interestingly enough because um a lot of uh politicians on on the democrat side basically said hey they overturned, you know, Roe v. Wade. They they basically sent abortion back to the states as a legislative issue. They could do that to gay marriage because gay marriage was also legalized through a, a Supreme Court case. Now, eight of the nine Supreme Court justices, in their opinions on Roe v. Wade, in this overturning over the summer, they said, no, we're not going to touch any more of those. But one justice, uh, Clarence Thomas, did. He basically said, he didn't say, I want to overturn it. He basically said, since we saw, since we determined that the, uh, the, the, basically the justification for Roe v. Wade was so outlandish, it warrants looking back at these other cases that also, you know, created rights that weren't explicit in the constitution. Right. So, right. And that is where, you know, a lot of, a lot of Democrat politicians seized on it and said, they're going to try and overturn gay marriage next, or even interracial marriage, which obviously both of those things and uh, are outlandish. And, you know, Clarence Thomas does not speak for the whole court, but that was the main impetus for the bill. So um, it basically uh, creates a system where um, if, uh, if, if the Supreme Court were to overrule the Obergefell decision and send the the decision of same-sex marriage back to the states, um, a state that does allow same-sex marriage could basically, you know, certify a same-sex relationship for a couple that does not, that lives in a state that does not um, allow same-sex marriage. So then really, that state would have to recognize it. Exactly. It's the same. It's really, it's very similar to the, to the abortion landscape right now, right? There's states where abortion is illegal totally or illegal after a certain, you know, number of weeks. And then there's states where it's legal all the way up through birth. And so those, you know, those people that want abortions in states where abortion is banned or limited, they, they are able to, to go to other states and get abortions. Right. So it's, it's the same, it's, it's, it would be a similar system in that case. Um, so, uh, the the religious liberty protections um, in this case, the concern was really uh, peaked when there were multiple amendments that were brought up by some Republican legislators that said, "Hey, the religious liberty protections here are not they're not uh, sufficient. 
they don't protect individual conscience, right? They assume that um, religious people stop being religious as soon as they leave explicitly religious organizations. So it basically means, well, you know, you're a Christian, you believe in, you know, the biblical view of marriage. But as when you're you're outside a church, you kind of have to, you know, follow the the cultural definition of it, which is not consistent with really any religious practice, any religious conviction. Um, so there were multiple amendments proposed um, that would protect individuals, that would protect nonprofits from being targeted by the government, you know, uh, from, you know, for, for rejecting or for embracing like a biblical view or, you know, a traditional religious view of marriage. Yeah. Um, and they were all voted down uh, pretty much exactly along party lines. And so that is where a lot of the concerns come in, where, I mean, I've read through these amendments, I've seen, you know, the senators uh, present them, and they all were very reasonable. They all said, basically, listen, I, you know, I'm not going to try and stop these people, I'm not going to try and stop this law, I'm, I just believe that we need some, some, some guarantees, right, for religious yeah. people, and they were all voted down. And so what that I think has, has, uh, has kind of alarmed people too, is the fact that there is um there is a pressure for this to be uh almost you know possibly weaponized in the future yeah well this... i think yeah and what i think what we're seeing here is a trajectory we're looking at seeing how um throwing out our 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 foundation for truth if throwing out uh, a biblical foundation for family and directly attacking the biblical family the the way god designed the family throwing that out has switched from just saying all of these um different definitions are okay mm -hmm. and and transitioning from that mindset that uh this is okay to saying no it's not just okay it's everybody needs to embrace it mm -hmm. and maybe there's a a little bit of religious freedom protection for certain entities but yeah one of the questions i have is um who's going to define that religious entity that religious organization and where where is that going to go how how long will the current definition last um and what's going to happen to people that don't fit into the definition of whoever's defining it in whatever given moment mm -hmm. and then from there where do we go from there where do we what's the next step here um because this is again it's a trajectory it's we've been moving in this direction as a culture and as uh uh, uh a, an overreaching government says this is not just okay but we're enforcing the fact that you have to embrace this yeah um this 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 worldview of the family and we're saying you have the government is saying that you have to you have to embrace it and you can't um you can't uh, make decisions whether it's hiring or um, running your business making business decisions based on any of these views that you may have you have to basically squash your religious views and um in the name of anti-discrimination um, so it's it's kind of a, a a scary thing to see that happening in in our culture but you know it's a it's a it's a continuation of a trajectory we've seen for many years and yeah. it's something that that we need to be aware is not just happening but it's 
it's going to keep happening. It's the the line is further than I think a lot of people think. Well, yeah, and um, one one other other point, um, kind of building on what you said about basically, you know, where does this where does this end? Um, I know the uh, the slippery slope argument is you know has been called a fallacy, and there's a lot of you know ways to to use it in a, as a fact that you know turns it into a fallacy. But really, you see the change from uh, from ten years ago. I mean, um, Barack Obama became president, uh, you know, as as a, a staunch defender of traditional marriage, as he called it, right? Um, and so that was, I mean, that was fifteen years ago, less than fifteen years ago. Yeah. And so you see how much has changed. And uh, there's actually a note in this legislation near the end where it says, by the way, this does not include polyamorous relationships, right? Po polygamy or, you know, multiple, more than two people. Yeah. And um, what I'm realizing as I, as I read this bill is why not? Yeah. Yeah. From this... Where does, where, if you throw out uh, some, absolute truth exactly where, where where do you found any of your arguments on where yeah. what is the reason like you said yeah yep. why not yeah exactly it's you know the new definition is marriage is two people that love each other why is it two people yeah there's yeah. If, if it's vague enough if you like you said going away away from the foundation it it really does lead to if you follow the argument you know polygamous relationships should not be prohibited by this legislation, if yeah. you follow their argument to its logical conclusion, right? Yeah. And uh, so I think that, um, and this legislation would have been unthinkable 10 years ago. Right, right. But exactly. So it's, uh, it's going to be uh, very interesting to see this, this followed, I think, um, you know, yeah, so forward to so, the next 10 years. Yeah. So taking a step back from, from the specifics of this thing, taking a step back and looking at why why do why does what impact does this have on homeschooling homeschooling groups um homeschool organizations whether they're statewide or um or more local groups um why do we care about this in terms of homeschooling now one one reason is that the pillars of homeschool freedoms are religious freedom and parental rights those are the two main pillars that uphold our freedom to homeschool um, both in California and across the nation. And so this, obviously, this directly attacks um, religious freedom. But I, I would argue that it is moving in the direction of attacking parental rights as well because of the way that it's shaping the culture and um, it's moving closer and closer to telling parents what they can and can't teach, even inside their own home. Now, it's not specifically there yet, but this particular bill is getting closer by virtue of the fact that it is it is governing how a business or organization is allowed to make their own decisions what views they are allowed to take into consideration when making their decisions um the second the second point is um so so that's basically a, an attack on the pillars that uphold our homeschool freedoms the second aspect is how is this going to directly impact our policies of the groups that that we uh, that we function inside of here in California with regard to homeschool 
um, homeschool practices, homeschool organizations, support organizations, local support groups, um, uh, private school satellite programs. How does this bill impact them? And I think there's there's a few different ways. But again, there's that line that we have to look at that we don't know exactly where it's going to fall in terms of it is supposedly not going to impact strictly religious entities. Um, what do what do you think about that? I mean, where where does that fall? What I mean is in terms of what groups is it going to impact and which groups is it not going to impact at least directly right now? I would think that probably the groups that are um, functioning within a church or as a ministry of a church are probably more safe than the other groups mm -hmm. that are not part of a church. But if a group has no affiliation or no statement about being a religious institution, they they have nothing to hold on to to say this doesn't apply to us. Is that is that a fair explanation? Yeah, yeah the um, the um, like I said, the the protections really are for religious organizations. So you know, if you're like running, you know, say running a, 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 you know, a small, small business, right. You may be, uh, a Christian yourself, right. Like very, very devoted. And yet your organization, your business isn't explicitly religious. And so it falls outside of that scope of protection. And so, you know, like in the, in the case of like, like Jack Phillips, yeah, there would be, I think there would be concerns about how far this bill would um, would go into determining how you can run your business and you know whether you can live by your religious convictions in that space. Yeah. So with regard to homeschool organizations, if it's a clearly non-religious group, mm -hmm. you may not have an issue with this. Yeah. But if you do, um, you're going to run into issues, run into problems, into conflicts with this new law. If you are a religious group, but you don't have a clear statement about you being a religious group, this is going to be definitely a motivation to see what you can do to become a religious organization mm -hmm. if, if this is of a concern to you. Yeah. Um, and then those groups that are attached to or semi-attached to a church, you may need to look more closely at how your what your attachment actually is to the church are you a ministry of that church and um we'll try to stay posted on trying to understand how this is actually going to play out in terms of the specifics of what what the definitions are going to look like when this comes when the rubber meets the road on these particular um uh, on this bill and how it would impact local support groups and, and PSPs. So, yeah, yeah, it would, it'll, it'll be, um, I think, uh, having it, uh, if you're looking for that sort of protection, I think, uh, an explicitly, um, religiously based, you know, statement of, uh, of ideals, beliefs, convictions, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, I think that that's going to be much more important. Yeah. Yeah. So. so definitely, I have, I definitely have some questions about this and how it's going to work out. I don't know yeah. when we'll have updates on that. Um, definitely plan on asking some, some attorneys about this one.
Yeah. Um, the uh, the next item I want to talk about is Capital Day, um, which is coming up in January, mm-hmm. January eighteenth uh, and nineteenth, and um, we uh, at Capital Day is when we have uh, groups of families show up at the Capitol. We do training, uh, teaching you how to interact with legislators, how to um, present information on homeschooling. And it is a really important way for us to present the idea of homeschooling to every single legislator in the legislative um, bodies here in California at the state Capitol here in Sacramento. Um, They need to not just get homeschool information, um, which we have packets of information to provide to them um, with new statistics, which um, is very helpful and meaningful to them. But also we need them to see real live homeschool families, Mm -hmm. which is something that um, I by myself or Drew by himself can't really uh, provide that um, unless we bring our families. So um, having you all bring your families can really have a huge impact. Um, And it can be very educational too for uh, for everyone that comes. Um, Whole families, kids of all ages are welcome to come. And um, that's coming up here in January, January 18th and 19th, when we will have um, a, uh, we'll have training and visiting the Capitol building. And um, we are uh, going through the process now to get people signed up for that. We have an application process so that we can vet people and make sure that um, that it's, uh, this is an event for private homeschool families to visit the Capitol. So we, we um, have an application process to make sure that's who is trying to come. And um, we have a limited number of spaces to make this event happen. So already we have about half, a little over half of our seats filled. So if you want to, um, if you want to attend this event, I would encourage you to to get signed up for it in the next week uh, that's or the, two at the latest. That's the that's the confirmed uh, registrants, right? There, there's or right. So there's there's already a number of people still yeah. going through the vetting process. So those seats are going to fill up fast. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So yeah. if you're interested in coming to Capital Day, um, definitely get yourself uh, uh, going on this application. And if uh, if you have already applied but you haven't but you haven't actually um, done your registration, please register right away so that um, you get that spot saved for you because we are limited in our number of seats and it'll yeah to get to that application it's it's pinned at the top of the of our website at a uh, fpmca.org um, and so you'll have you'll see the big capital day logo you can scroll down it's at the top of the posts as well um, so you can find the links to the to the application and the registration there so yeah um, yeah uh, it's going to be my first first capital day in person actually right yeah with the last three yeah, last years or imp- so being yeah. very much online i i've never done a capital day right at capital, so been down yeah, there plenty of times being, but never with a homeschool group yeah looking forward to being back there yeah it'll be good um so that uh brings us to the legislative session which is starting up next week yes um so uh after after the election we have our uh, break from from legislative activity and um, this this year is a little bit interesting because we have a couple of different things going on. One is um, the the, leg, the the lag and the results from the from from the election um, has been interesting to watch. But 
I think um, we pretty much know who's going to be showing up at the Capitol next week. Um, but uh, session starts on Monday, noon on Monday. We should have swearing in. So that's always um, interesting to watch. Uh, you can watch online at the uh, legislative website, assembly.ca.gov or senate.ca.gov. There is a live stream you should be able to watch there um, to see the swearing in if you're interested in that uh, noon on Monday. Um, but as we go, get into next week, also, um, what we're expecting to see is um, probably a few hundred bills introduced on Monday as well. Um, At we're least. Kinda, yeah, <laughs> we're kind of watching that a little bit. Uh, we're expecting to see some probably some some uh some gun legislation as well as possibly some some uh some lgbt uh rights legislation potentially from um from perhaps senator uh scott weiner i yeah. think um, yeah he's been he's been saying he's going to be working on that this this legislative session so he's not really providing any specifics but um yeah that's been one of his uh his more uh, vocal campaigns so. right so we'll we'll keep you posted on on anything that develops there also on monday we're supposed to see a special session um officially um taking form on monday where the governor controls what's going to be um discussed and debated um with regard to legislation on monday perhaps um the focus is supposed to be on gas prices and oil companies trying to get oil companies to lower their prices so we'll see um what actually happens there i'm not sure really what to expect um but uh, that's happening uh, monday so monday is when the brand new newly elected legislators take um take office as well as all the all the legislators that have been in office that are coming back are going to be um resuming and they'll all do their swearing in together um and one of the items that i wanted to mention about here is that um one of the most recently called elections in um in california was uh, the assembly seat um, for uh, District 7, uh, which um, one of the folks that's um, been a, a big help to homeschooling in the past several years has been uh, Mr. Josh Hoover, who is now our newly elected assemblyman in Assembly District uh, 7, which is just south of Sacramento, um, south, uh, I should say, east southeast south and yeah. east east and yeah it's yeah. kind of a, it's a weirdly shaped one yeah so <laughs> it's over there and um so we're we're excited to welcome josh hoover mm -hmm. to um to the floor to to swearing in and um that's really exciting and there's a couple of reasons why um in addition to his help with homeschooling um uh josh hoover has been the the chief of staff for a number or for most recently his position has been chief of staff to senate to assemblyman kevin kiley in in the california state legislature um prior to that he worked for other legislators um, but um josh hoover is also a homeschool graduate who has been involved in the homeschool community and has spoken several times at our capital day 
So um, he's definitely a friend, and we're excited to welcome him to the legislature. And um, as far as I know, he's the first um, he's the first uh, homeschool uh, graduate in modern times, I should say, uh, to to come to the California State Legislature. So that's uh, that's exciting news, and I'm really glad to to have him there, and uh, we'll we'll really enjoy having um, him as a new assembly member. And um, so, yeah, it's it's nice to be able to share some great news like that um, in the midst of uh, the rest of our work. Um, yeah. he's, and a, so, he's a solid guy and he's, he's going to be a great ally to have in the legislature. Yeah, definitely a, a voice for freedom, a, mm. a voice for families, a voice for families to be able to, to make decisions on education for mm. sure. So I'm grateful for that. Um, any other uh, last thoughts, Drew, um, before we sign off for today? Um, beyond just encouraging people to to check out the website and uh, and uh, look into Capital Day, um, not really. Um, well, I do have one one little note. Um, I did want to say that uh, we are going to be making this podcast a little more accessible through our website. Um, so there's obviously, you know, there's many platforms you can get it on. You can watch the video on YouTube. You can, you know, get it on, on Spotify, Audible, Amazon podcasts, um, Apple podcasts will be up soon. Um, but, uh, right now, actually we have a kind of a, a new page, um, on the, on our main menu, uh, that'll take you to a page that'll have a summary. It'll have all of the episodes on it. Um, and then also just straight from the homepage, there's a player where you can just play the the latest episode. Um, and so this one will be up. And um, as long as it's the, you know, the latest episode that that's up, uh, it'll be it'll be on that on that main page that you can you can just play and listen to it. Um, or you can click on it and it'll go through Spotify. So Spotify, you can listen to podcasts for free. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of ways to find us. So, yeah, excellent. Capital Thanks. Day. Yeah, thanks for thanks for all your work on that, Drew. Yeah, making making the technical end of this work. Um, yeah, sign up for Capital Day, um, and also um, just just be aware um, that we really appreciate uh, your support at FPM. Uh, we run on your donations from homeschool families in California, and um, we continue to appreciate and need continued support from from each of you so thank you for your help in that and uh, uh definitely uh subscribe and and be getting our updates by email because that's uh the number one way you can make sure you're getting the latest uh action alerts when it comes to time for legislation which is happening next week so that'll be very get, important starting next week for sure. yeah if you want to get updates on legislation make sure that you get signed up for our emails on our website at fpmca.org all right thanks so much folks we'll see you next time thanks for joining us for this episode of the front line with fpm for more information about the topics we discuss here check out family protection ministries at fpmca.org and subscribe to our channel